It's been a good day already, hasn't it? Well, today is the, the first Sunday of the Advent season, which is uh, the four weeks of the Christ- Christian calendar that lead up to the celebration of Christmas. Uh, the word Advent means arrival or coming, and during these four weeks we're encouraged to anticipate the celebration of His first coming, coming and also to prepare ourselves for His second coming. There has been one arrival, one advent of Jesus, and there is another advent coming. So during these four weeks, we're going to be focusing on the book of Hebrews to help us fix our eyes on Jesus. At the end of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, the author sums up what he has said uh, up to that point by saying, so let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And this is my prayer for us this season, that we would fix our eyes on him, that we would come to know him, and in all the distractions of the season, the good distractions as well as the not so good distractions that come with this season, that we would fix our eyes on him. I wanted to let you know uh, about something here. Um, Northeast Christian Church is, is a, a church here in Fort Wayne on the northeast side of our city, and the pastor there, Tony Opluger, and I have become quite good friends over the last three years, and we thought it would be fun this year to do something together as congregations, and so they are going through the same sermon series that we are here at Broadway, and he and I have put together a devotional for us in our congregations for you and for your families to go through during Advent, and they are there back at the back at the Community Life uh, desk at the back. Uh, please feel free to pick that up, and uh, there are four weeks worth of devotionals in here, not every single day, um, but each, uh, this week we're going to be talking about Jesus the prophet during our sermon, and uh, there's some readings here, and um, some uh, passages of scripture to encourage you to meditate on or to to memorize over the course of this week that remind us that, that Jesus is the prophet, the final anointed prophet that has come. Uh, There's also a section here that we've called Around the Table, uh, which is uh, just a series of questions for you to ask with whoever you may be eating with this week, whether it's your family and your kids, um, some questions to help us think about what it means for Jesus to be the prophet that has come. And then we also have an activity to do uh, once a week with your kids, usually with your kids, um, in order to uh, involve them in the season and for them to be thinking about that. So uh, please take one, uh, pick it up this week, and, uh, and use that over the course of these, these four weeks. What I'd like to, to do at the beginning of our sermons these next four weeks is to read together Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So if you would take your pew Bibles to make sure we're all reading together— Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And if you would stand with me, and we will read this together. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. Father, we do pray that 
And during these next few minutes, as we hear your word spoken to us, uh, Lord, and in our coming days and weeks, uh, that we would fix our eyes on you. That we would come to know you better. That we would come to know your way for us better. So, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a, a bit of a difference in the introduction to this book of Hebrews that, that we just read together. Uh, there's, no, there's no introduction to the book. If you read Paul's letters or Peter's letters, there's always at the beginning this, this is me, Paul, speaking, and I'm speaking to this particular church. Well, in the book of Hebrews, we know it doesn't begin that way. It begins without any kind of salutation or, or greeting at all. And some scholars have suggested that Hebrews wasn't originally a letter, but that it was a sermon. And I'd never heard that before until I was doing the research this week, but as I was reading through Hebrews this week, it really makes a lot of sense to me. Because there's this introduction, and then throughout the book of Hebrews, there's these quotations from the Old Testament that the, uh, that the writer uses over and over again. And he quotes the scriptures, and then he explains them and gives application. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, he gives us all these great examples of people who live faithfully to Jesus. And then in Hebrews 12 and 13, he gives some practical applications to the things that he says. It really, in many ways, reads like a sermon. And if you were to stand up and to read Hebrews, the entire book out loud, it would take about 35 minutes. So that's, I think it's a sermon. I think that's a pretty good guess that Hebrews perhaps originally was a sermon that was then circulated around to the churches. And like any good sermon, the book of Hebrews is a call for us to see Jesus clearly, to come to know him better and to come to better know his will for our lives. More than any other book in the New Testament, Hebrews intentionally looks back on the history and the religious life of the people of Israel. And we don't know who the human author of this letter was, but whoever it was had a deep mastery of the Old Testament scriptures. The book of Hebrews is just filled with all of these quotations and allusions of the, um, of the Old Testament scriptures, and they're just even interwoven with all of these explanations and instructions about how all of the religious life and the life of Israel pointed to Jesus. All of Israel's life, the temple, the Sabbath day, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the law, or the Torah itself, Hebrews says that these things are all shadows of what was to come. And the writer of Hebrews says that the reality, the figure that created these shadows is Jesus. And in the life of Israel, there were three anointed offices— the prophets, the priests, and the kings. We read the, about these three leaders in the Old Testament, and all of them had very specific callings by God to carry out a specific role as leaders in the life of Israel. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the anointed one who has come and has fulfilled the role of prophet, priest, and king. He is the prophet that the prophets spoke about. He is the priest that ultimately and finally makes a sacrifice for us so that we can draw near to God. He is the king that leads us perfectly. 
And if you read, even in these three verses that we just read a few minutes ago, all three of these roles, prophet, priest, and king, are in those three verses. Did you notice that? Verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. He is the prophet that God has spoken to us by. Verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, and after he had provided purification for sins. That was the priest's role, to provide sacrifices for the purification for sins. And after he did that, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Prophet, priest, and king, all there in those first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1. God blessed Israel through their history with these prophets and these priests and these kings. And God finally blessed Israel and the whole world with his son, who was the prophet and priest and king that we all needed. So this morning, we're going to be talking about Jesus fulfilling the role of the prophet. Next week, the role of priest. And the week after that, the role of king. And then in the fourth week of Advent, we'll be talking about Jesus as the Savior. The writer of Hebrews says that in the past, God spoke at many different times and in many different ways through the prophets, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. I want to stop here for a minute and to remind you of what a tremendous gift it is for us to be living at this time in God's history as God's people. The moment that Jesus was born into the world, the last days began. God's final plan and final purpose for the world is for earth and heaven to be joined together as one. For God's place and man's place to be the same place. That's the image that we get from Revelation 21 and 22. The city of God comes down out of heaven to earth and the two become one. That's the way that things were in the Garden of Eden. God's place and man's place were the same place. And Adam and Eve's sin disrupted that unity between God and man. And human beings were no longer able to be in God's place without guilt and without shame. And so they hid themselves from God. And there was this division then between God and man and between God's place and man's place. And we have been hiding from God, avoiding him ever since. And God is at work to join together what has been separated. God is at work to join heaven and earth together, and that's exactly what he did in the incarnation. In Jesus, God and man, heaven and earth, are joined together as one. And when that happened over 2,000 years ago, in the womb of Mary, the last days began. And they've been playing out ever since, and they will continue to play out until until the great day of the Lord that the New Testament writers talk about, when Christ will come, that great day of the Lord. We have a bit of analogy for how to understand how all of this works, that the last days began 2,000 years ago, but they're continuing on today, and we're waiting for the great day of the Lord. As we think about how things are working out right now in the U.S., this is a very, very, very dangerous analogy, but I'm going to use it anyways. 
On election day, the U.S. elected a new president, right? But Trump didn't actually become president on that day, right? It was a transition of power that we're in right now, but inauguration day is inevitable. We are in the last days of Obama's presidency and the beginning of Trump's presidency right now. He's choosing his cabinet. He's choosing his leaders. He's having influence over our country in one way or another, even though he hasn't become president fully yet, right? So back to Hebrews. We are in the last days. There is a transition of power that is coming. The conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary and his birth in a manger was the beginning of the last days, and we are waiting for Inauguration Day. He has been chosen as the first fruit of God's perfect plan, his perfect plan where his kingdom, his rule will come, and heaven and earth will be joined together perfectly again. And so that's what it means for us to live in these last days, waiting for the great day of the Lord that is coming. And here's the great thing, the the great gift of living in these last days. It's that you and I are never without a word from the Lord. That we are never without a word from the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says that in the past, God sent prophets at various times And in various ways. So there were many times in Israel's history where the people were desperate for a word from the Lord, hungry for it, waiting for it. And when it came, it was like a breath of fresh air, it was like streams of water, it was a bright light in the darkness. The word of the Lord from the prophets was like fire. It was sometimes a painful and purifying fire, but it was this bright light spoken into this dark place. And there were times in Israel's history when they waited for years, even decades, even centuries for a prophet to come. There were 400 years between Malachi and John the Baptist. 400 years that the people of Israel were waiting for a word from the Lord. But the writer of Hebrews says that now, In these last days, God has spoken to us in one final and complete way through his son. And so when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we fix our eyes on what John 1.1 says, the word of God, we are receiving God's revelation to us. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Because God sent his son, we do not have to wait for another prophet to come. The prophet has come, and because of that, we always have access to his word by his Holy Spirit at all times. That is the great gift of living in these last days, that God has sent his spirit into your life and into my life, and we can have access to him at all times and access to his word at all times. We don't need to wait for God to send another prophet. That was the way that he worked then. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, and the spirit of his son is alive and is at work in anyone who is a follower of Jesus. And the scriptures are given to you to hear from him. In the body of Christ, other men and women filled with the spirit of Christ are given to you as instruments of God's word in your life. 
God spoke in the past in marvelous and wonderful ways through the prophets that he sent. And now he has spoken to us in the most marvelous, in the most wonderful, in the most final way in speaking to us by his very own son, who is the exact representation of his being. God has spoke, he is speaking, and he will speak. So the question is not whether or not God is speaking today. The question is, are we listening? We tend to be really bad listeners. This is a bit of a confession time. Uh, sometimes around the dinner table at our house, one of my kids will be talking to me, you know, Daddy, and they'll be telling this story. And uh, Katie will notice that I'm there, but I'm not there right? And so she'll say that. She'll say, you know, uh, Gloria, daddy's here, but he's really not here. Can you just give him a minute? And she'll kind of nudge me, and uh, I'll listen, and I'll pay attention. So the, the, the sounds are coming into my ear, and they're bouncing off my eardrum and whatever else God has created in my ear to help me hear, but it's not going any further than that. I'm not actually listening. And so our question for you today is, friends, are we really listening? In these last days, we have been given the gift of God's Son who speaks to us finally and completely. His word is available to us at any time. So are we listening? In your life, maybe you've been sitting at the table for a really long time, and you used to listen. You used to hang on every word that God spoke but you've stopped listening. You've been there, and maybe, like me, when Gloria's speaking to me, I'm giving verbal clues, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 I'm listening. Maybe you're giving verbal clues to God or to other people, but you're really not listening. You're just pretending that you're listening, and this faith that was so vital for you in your life has become a sham. It's become a show. It's not truly what you desire and what you are passionate about. God has spoken to us by his son. Are we listening? Are we giving ourselves our attention to the one who is speaking to us? I want to talk a little bit about the role that the prophets played in the life of Israel in the Old Testament. The prophets in the Old Testament were sent by God to make sure that God's people were listening to wake them up when they were sleeping, to call them back to faithfulness. And so when we read about men like Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they were anointed by God and explicitly called by God to speak God's words to the kings and to the priests and to the people of Israel and to call them to faithfulness. Israel had been given a task by God to be a holy nation, and to be a light among the nations, and to be a blessing to the nations. They were a chosen people, a people who were set apart. And God gave them his law and told them that if you live your life according to this law, then you will be a light to the nations. You will be a blessing to the nations around you. And God's plan for this holy nation was that their way of life, their example among all the other nations around them, was to be an example of what a human community was supposed to look like. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, this is what uh, uh, God says to his people about his law that he's given to them. 
So see, I have taught you decrees and laws that the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and your understanding to the nations." who will hear about all of these decrees and laws and say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them in the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Israel was to be this holy nation, so that their life together as Israel would be a light to the nations and show them the way that God intended human beings to live. That was Israel's mission. But they often forgot that, and instead of being a distinct nation among the peoples, they just became just like all of the other nations. They worshiped the gods of the other nations and followed their ways. And so at those times, that's when God would send his prophets to say, Israel, remember who you are. Remember the calling that God has given to you to be this distinct and holy nation among all of the other nations. The prophets were called to call them back to faithfulness, to shed light into their darkness. And that cycle is repeated throughout Israel's history. Well, the book of Hebrews said that this is how God spoke in the past through his prophets. But now in these last days, God has spoken to us by his own son. Jesus is the anointed prophet who has come into the world to shed light into our darkness. Just like the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus was sent into the world to speak the word of God to the world. But the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus did not only speak words about God, that he was what? The Word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like the prophets, Jesus was sent to shed light into a dark world to show God's way for us, and Jesus did that, but he did not only shed light. The Gospel of John tells us what? Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light for all mankind, and his light came to shine in the darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Like the prophets, Jesus came to tell people about who God is and what he was like and what God desires from us, about how we should live. And Jesus did do that. But Jesus not only tells us about God, he shows us what God is like. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship to the Father. He has made God known. Jesus does not only tell us about God, he is God in the flesh. As we read earlier in Hebrews, he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus, the son, was not only a man, not merely a prophet. He was God in the flesh, the radiance of God's glory. I want to finish by looking at Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 through 13. 
The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God came into the garden and he spoke this word to them. Where are you? And that word caused Adam and Eve's shame. It caused them to do what? Caused them to hide. They knew that when God was present, that their disobedience and their sin was exposed. It was brought into the light, and it caused them to try to hide from God. This separation between God and his people was now there. It was now a dividing wall between God's place and humanity's place. When the truth of God's word is spoken into our lives, it reveals our sin. It exposes us, and it brings us into the light. And when we have that feeling of being exposed by God's word, when his light shines into our life, we have the same temptation that Adam and Eve did to take some fig leaves and to try to hide from God. But Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says that all that hiding is pointless. The word of God exposes all of us for who we are. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of God to whom we all must give account. You know when you're driving down the interstate and you're doing kind of a cool 78 miles an hour and see a police car up ahead? What do you do? You slow down. You try to hide what you've been doing. A friend of mine from my previous church told me, he said, you know, Pastor Ryan, I just want to let you know that this isn't true of you guys, I'm sure, but so I just want you to know that everyone here, whenever you're around, they're like those people speeding down the road, and they slow down and they behave whenever you're around. <laughs> you might be able to hide from the police. You might be able to hide from me. You might be able to hide from your wife. In some ways, you might even be able to hide from your own self but you can't hide from God. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from his sight. And every one of us, as we look at our lives, we do have reason to feel ashamed for the things that we've done and thought and said. It's very natural for us to want to hide those things, to hide those things from God. But here's the truth. God already knows it. And God's word has been spoken into the world and it shines a light so brightly into our lives that it shines light into every nook and cranny in your own heart. All of those hidden places that you've tried to hide from other people or hide from yourself, God knows about all of those places and those thoughts and those hidden motivations and those intentions. He knows it. The light of his word shines into that place and it reveals to us how far we have fallen short of his own perfection. Here's the good news. For some of you, that sounds like awful news, that God knows all of those things, 
that it may be in my own heart that those things may even come to my attention again and be exposed. But here's the good news. While you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in a place of shame and brokenness, when we were in the pit, the cross of Jesus Christ meets us there in that place. The forgiveness that comes through him isn't available to us when we think we are good enough to receive it. The forgiveness that comes through him is available to us when we know that we're not good enough to receive it. And so the light that shines into our lives, it's painful. It reveals our sin to us. It judges us and it finds us wanting. But even that light that feels painful to us as it exposes us, even that is all grace. Even God's judgment is grace because if we allow it, that painful and piercing light of God's word helps us to see who we are. It shows us that we are helpless, we are broken, we are completely lost without him. And so it's true that the word of God spoken into our life, that it sometimes makes us feel ashamed. It makes us feel as if we want to hide from God. When God came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Adam responded, I heard you in the garden. I knew you were around and I was afraid and so I hid. When God comes into your life and says, where are you? Your response can be this. Here I am, Lord. You already know me. I may be able to hide from other people. I may be able to hide from the pastor. I may be able to hide even from myself, but I cannot hide from you. Your light is too bright for me to hide. And so I come to you, the anointed prophet of God who has spoken this word into my life, and I receive this word about me. I receive this word that I am a broken and sinful and that I have exposed to your holiness and to your truth. I receive this perfect word spoken into my life about me. And I come to you then, the anointed priest of God, so that you can purify this sin that you have shown to me. And I come to you, the anointed king, and I ask you to lead me and to show me your way for me, to show me your way for my life. And he will do it. He is the prophet and the priest and the king that all of us need. This is what Doug did today. He said to us and to God and to the whole world that he was submitting himself to the prophet who speaks the word, the true word about his life, who, even though he knows everything Doug and all of us ever did, that he is the priest that has purified that sin for us, and that he is the king who leads us in the way of life. There's some of you in this room today who need to do what Doug did for the very first time. You've heard the word of God spoken to you today. It has exposed you for who you are. And you need to say, yes, Lord, I receive your word about me. I receive that Jesus came and that he died for my sin and purified my sin. And I know that because you are the good king, I can follow you all the days of my life. 
Others of you made that decision a long time to go, but today you are hiding. You are pretending. Your faith and your followership, your discipleship to Jesus has become just a show. You are fooling other people. You may be fooling yourself, but you are not fooling God. He is the prophet who speaks the perfect word into your life today and says, come on out. Stop hiding. So today, all of us, rather than being like Adam, when we hear God's word, rather than being like him and saying, I heard you and so I hid, all of us can say, speak, Lord, we are listening. Here we are. Speak, Lord, we are listening. We want to hear your word in our lives. We want you to expose us and to show us who we are so that we can come out from the darkness and walk in your revealing and your healing light.